welcome to the live show. It's already in progress. Uh, it's just not true at all because there are just tons of women who work. There's actually a lady of the night that is just so lovely and I'm close with uh, who, who's, who, who's a woman who works in the news industry. And in the radio industry, there's just tons. There's just tons of women. And you know this. If you drive, if you listen to local radio stations, you know there's lots of women. DJs on your local. Like, I know the stereotype is the two dudes are like, oh, it's it's the bandit and... Oh, it's always like an animal. It's the bandit and the sloth. <laughs> and it's a monkey noise for no reason. And they're like, hey, bandit, what'd you do today? Nothing, sloth. Like, they've got the reverse personalities and, like, they're crank calling... And all that, like, I, I know that's the stereotype, but in reality, radio is not an entirely penile-based industry. I know the microphones are very phallic. Uh, it's very funny for the first one, two, three, four, five hundred times you bring it up. And then people get over it, they adjust, and they move on with their lives. And, and, and news and reporting and radio are fairly uh, egalitarian. Uh, Every cameraman in a movie is a man, and he's always sarcastic. Not my experience. There's uh, <laughs> there's non-sarcastic cameramen, and there's also women cameramen. It goes on and on and on. And the reason why I bring up this amazing point about gender difference in radio is because I think a lot of people... <laughs> I think a lot of people uh, assume about your past and everything that you that you do rather defines you? Is that too deep? Am I going too philosophical? Uh, just at the start of this, let me find my footing. Let me reset and try again. I, I well, In my background in radio, I met a lot of people behind the scenes that were kind of living lives less ordinary. Uh, I don't think a lot of people say I'm going to be an on-the-spot radio person or I'm going to be an on-the-spot radio uh, affiliate. Or I'm going to be a freelancer. But that's who you run into. And meeting these people on this Life Less Ordinary has always been this great and profound pleasure for me. Because I never fit in. I just never fit in anywhere, really. I still don't now. And I, I made this life and I'm still kind of trying to fit into it now. I know a lot of you probably feel the same way in, in your life. It's a fairly human condition, I think. And in this past, try to talk about things that, that I'm all upbeat about before I get into a little bit of like, yeah, I know the world's fucked up. Trust me. I, I know the world's fucked up and I'm going to acknowledge it. Um, one of my favorite tropes is found family. And I have found friends and family living the life less ordinary. And... In radio, in, in, in reaching out and talking to people, I have discovered more about myself. And one of the things that I was never really willing to put up on the shelf, even when I was playing a character or doing a voice on the radio for like a radio skit or something along those lines, is I just never wanted to get away of my authenticity. Uh, and for a long time, I called this the Mrs. Doubtfire rule. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie with Robin Williams, it's okay. It's fun. It's very cute. You don't need to go out of your way to see it. But at the very beginning, Robin Williams is this very talented voice actor. Sound familiar? 
but he's also destitute and broke, and all his family are, are not really big on him because he refuses to take a lot of jobs where the parents smoking in the cartoon, or, or, or. His quote-unquote principles, but really his personality get in the way of his life. And this is kind of the Mrs. Doubtfire rule. I never wanted to do a character, even if it was a character, that made smoking sound cool if I knew kids were going to be watching. It's a pretty good rule of thumb to get through life with yourself intact when you're pretty sure at the end of the day you're all you're going to have. Uh, it's a very egotistical way of looking at the world. People throw that at me a lot. Uh, they say, you're very egotistical. And to them, my response is, how dare you address me directly? Who gave you permission? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that one landed a little bit better than I thought. Thank you for that live people uh, who were there. Otherwise, I would have just had to keep going, and I wouldn't know if that joke would have landed at all. Thank you very much for that. Hooray, live shows. Come on out. Uh, <laughs> So, all jokes aside, uh, when you're on radio and you have to do read copy and, and a lot of part of radio is like somebody calling up going all like, okay, uh, and now to the guy who saw Bigfoot and you're the guy who saw Bigfoot. The guy who saw Bigfoot on the radio is another radio employee, like 95% of the time. There's nothing illegal or wrong about it. In fact, the opposite's true. You can't put somebody's voice on the radio without telling them that you're doing it. It's a federal crime. So anytime you're hearing, I've talked about this before, anytime on the radio you hear somebody all like, yeah, I love cheating on her. I love cheating on her. And then she comes out going, you love what? He goes, what? Oh, no. That's literally never happened in the history of American radio. It's literally illegal to broadcast it. It's always a sketch, and the guy and the girl are radio employees for another station or something else. And they're literally talking into microphones uh, in another van. That's I promise you, it's absolutely true. Look it up. You cannot broadcast somebody's voice without their permission over the radio, especially their identity. So it's all fake. It's all sketches. It's all fake. Uh, and it's just entertainment. And... I would do these sketches where I saw the werewolf because people would be all like, hey, do you want to live on the street or do you want to pretend to see a werewolf for two minutes? And that's a really easy answer. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I could do the werewolf pretending for free. So I'll pretend I saw the werewolf 100%. Absolutely, I saw that motherfucker. He was huge. He was on two legs. He had gray fur. Black fur? Black fur. Blackest night. Ebon fur. Scary Nubian fur, the werewolf. With huge jaws that dripped blood. Saliva. Saliva that looked like blood gleaming in the moonlight. Whatever you need, man. It's a job. I'm talking about seeing a, a werewolf over the radio. My integrity is very low. But like with the cheating stuff and... The play apart stuff, like I'm a local guy who's calling in about like the local community. Uh, like, I didn't ever want to like yell at people or like make them the bad guy. And so I always had to make myself the bad guy. I was always playing an unaware, I was always playing an aware, unaware bad guy. So, like, if I called in to, like, if the script called in to me complain about women, I would always be all like, oh, these women are so stuck. Like, it'll be like, complain about women because they're so stuck up because uh, this segment is all about how you can't say hi to a woman on the street anymore. <laughs> this is like 2002. 
I know this sounds like this is Harvey Weinstein's like legal defense 2017 or something. Uh, but this is like, you know, the mid to early to mid 2000s. And like, there's a whole thing where in Canada, there was a thing where the reason why I remember this, there's a politician, some stupid fucking bitch in a skirt in fucking Canada said that maybe men shouldn't address women on the street that they don't know. And if the women just kind of pass by and don't say anything to them, maybe that's a sign that they should stop talking to engaging these strangers on the street. Maybe so, uh, some politician in Canada said something like that in the city. And it was a, it was an American news story because it was 2002 and everyone's all like, Bill Cosby, he's fantastic. Don't you love him? Woo! It's a different time. <laughs> so the story was like, you can't even talk to women on the street anymore. And I had to like, play a guy like i'm not i'm i'm a, i'm the guy who's calling in to talk about this to to keep the the radio sketch going this isn't a call in or politics show don't think that this is like propaganda that exists but this is not that this is you know this is just like a radio show and like we're doing sketches this is like getting people to their mornings and shit on time uh and so I have to call in, and this kid's like, you have to complain about women and how you can't even talk to them on the street anymore. I'm like, I don't want to fucking do that. Like, I don't know what's wrong about talking to women on the street that I don't know. All right? I'm not that feminist yet. I'm not going to pretend I'm woke yet in any way, shape, or form. But I know that I don't want to make somebody being talked to on the street the bad guy. I don't want to get talked to on the fucking street. Fuck you. Get the fuck away from me. I hate you. Oh my god, the Mitch Hedberg joke about anybody who hands you a flyer is asking you to throw it away? That is 100% accurate. I 100% believe that. That is true. The most hated people in all of Denmark, a country where nobody can make eye contact or speak aloud lest three bells be rung beforehand, right? Like a really non-socialized country. The most terrifying and and... And and egregious people in that society are like volunteers for Greenpeace and shit who will stand outside like a supermarket and make eye contact with people with flyers. Like they, there are endless complaints about those people and the scourge on society they are over there. And let me just tell you, I get it. When you've been, when you've not, when no one's made eye contact with you for three full days, and then you're just walking along in public, you've kind of forgotten what it's like to not have to look down at the ground if you don't want to be insulted or assaulted or whatever. And then all of a sudden, some dude's looking at you, and as soon as he sees you, gets a big smile. He's all like, I'm saving the earth. What are you doing? Oh, fuck that guy. Oh, I hate him. So I knew immediately that we were going to call in for the sketch that I didn't want to be like, oh, these these women, man, I can't stand them. I walk up to them and I talk to them on the street and they're not into it. What the hell? Like, that's not going to work for me, even though I'm the antagonist here. So instead I call in and I'm like, oh, these women, man, you can't, you can't do anything anymore. What do you mean, man? What do you mean? Oh, you can't even say hi. I heard about this, man. I heard about this. You can't even say hi. What do you do? other day I walked up and I just said, hey, and the woman looked me up and down and just walked away immediately. And then radio DJ that I'm going, oh, man, that's horrible. Oh, that's horrible. What do you think? Do you think it's because of your height? Do you think it's because of your weight? And he's like, oh, man, I don't know. All I did was start itching underneath my gun belt. 
on my hip where it got a little bit tense and <laughs> and so now the other guy who has no idea that I'm saying that but has to he can't be like shut up Jack shut up I'm working Jack Jack shut up for the script he can't do that that's what he wants to do but he can't do that because he's on the air and so he's he's got to do his radio voice and everything. He's got to be, oh, wow. Oh, you ever tried it without the gun? Oh, yeah, I tried it without the gun. Oh, how'd that go? <sighs> i tell you what. Like, you even show a girl a knife anymore. And... <laughs> so, like, you know, you got to make your days interesting. You can't go to work and do the same job every day. That, that'd be horrifying. <laughs> That's hell. If you think that's crazy, you have to work 12-hour days on a car lot for some lots. Like, whether or not you're selling a car that day or not, you're just, they expect you to be there for 12 hours straight. I learned pretty quickly on when somebody wasn't listening to me at all, like at all, when looking at a car. <laughs> and like I tested it out a little bit. I just want to slide a little bit before we get into the actual reading and all that. Uh, I already had the skill kind of down from phone sales. So constantly on phone sales, like I'd get to the end of something. And then I knew they weren't listening because they had already made up their mind one way or the other, whatever happening. I was just, you know, executing their will and they weren't really listening. And I would constantly say stuff like, that contract would be viable if you were capable of reading and signing it. Stuff like that. But they would never hear me. They never heard me. I never got called out on it once. Somebody said, you're making me feel like a child once. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't make you mean to make you feel much younger than you are. Stuff like that. Like, I know nobody, I know they're not listening. So you get to say stuff like that and they won't even pay attention. My favorite one is somebody called in and he said, I have this problem. I'm an engineer. I know exactly what it is. I have this problem. I'm an engineer and you don't. I'm an engineer and you're just a phone monkey. I know exactly what it is. And I said, What is it? He goes, It's one to, th it's one to three of these things. So we get through the rest of his issue. Like, that's very funny. You can't help that. And then I, and then I, hel at the end of my script, I go, hey, man, I, I got to transfer you. Thanks for, for, and he's very help, help, he's very appreciative and all that. I got to transfer you and all that. And he's like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, he goes, it would really help me out if you do a survey. And he goes, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, how long is that going to take? And I go, one to three minutes. Click. One to three, asshole. One to three minutes. <laughs> what was I going to do? Was I telling another story before I got there? No, I don't think he wanted it to be anything. I don't think he did the survey. I don't think anybody who begins their... their anybody who tells you their occupation at the beginning of a conversation, period... <laughs> is probably not going to be that helpful for you. If ever somebody walks up to you and goes, I'm a doctor, unless you've just said, is there a doctor? 
that person's not going to be helpful for you in any quality, not just medicinal, but anything, because why are they saying it? Think of it in the exact same way. Like, I know being a doctor isn't the same thing as, like, being rich, but just imagine somebody walking up to you. You don't know them. You didn't say anything about money. They walk up to you and they go, hello, I'm rich. That motherfucker better be named Richard. He better be named Rich if that is his introduction. Right? Because otherwise, that is a real scary way to introduce yourself. That's like, uh, uh. <laughs> I think it was Emma Thompson in a movie that she was narrating where she said something about guys who drive big cars. And the thing that she said was, I'm compensating for something. Guess what it is. That's exactly how I feel when a dude walks up to me and is all like, hey, man, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Anyways, I'm an engineer. I make $46,000 a year. It's like, uh-oh. I don't know what you're compensating for, but it is definitely something that could appear on a true crime podcast. Like, there's no... Because I got to tell you, I, I, I can sometimes make a lot of money just sitting around at home jerking off all day, and I have yet to say it to any dude I've met in a bar, much less, like, number one date. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't give a shit if you know that about me or not. Why are you telling me this? Was I telling a story or not? Should I just get started? <laughs> the guy who bought a boat sketch. I've not seen it. Here's what I know from all of my friends who have bought boats. Ready? There are two great days when you buy a boat if you're a guy. I don't know if it's true if it's women because I've never known a woman dumb enough to buy a boat. Have you? Has anyone? Anyone know a woman dumb enough? Does anyone think mega yachts are being sold to female billionaires? No. No, they're not. Is there, is there a mega yacht out there with a giant vagina sculpture pool on the top of it that costs $200 million a year to keep afloat? I don't think there is. I think that this is mostly male, aimed at the male ego. What are you going to say? You with me? All right. <laughs> so, a boat repair business, sure. Okay, yeah, nothing nothing wastes money like a boat or a swimming pool. I've heard this before. But from the outside, all the guys I've known who are dumb enough to buy a boat, the two greatest days of their lives are not when they get married or divorced, not when they have children or bury them because they no longer have to pay into that college fund anymore. No, the happiest day of a man's life, as far as I can tell, the two happiest days are the day he buys his boat and the day he sells his boat. Any man who buys a boat, as far as I can tell, that's it. That's it. The plot arc from the outside is, I bought a boat. I'm exuberant. I'm a god. I'm a god and the rest of you aren't. Look at me on my boat. Boat, 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 boat. This lasts four to six hours. Sometimes eight, sometimes 12 on a very pleasant day. And then after that, there are months to years of consternation and what can only be described as the sound of a cement truck rubbing up against a metal pole outside of a very sensitive Chihuahua breeder house's farm. It's just a very specific kind of sound that emanates from everything they say and do from, like, 
Again, like eight hours after they buy the boat. Like eight hours after they buy the boat, until they sell the boat, they just make this noise in everything they say or do. Just, it's just there. It's just there. And no matter what, it's always there like tinnitus, except it's emitting from the core of them. And so you talk to them and you'll be like, how's things going? It's like, oh, you know, it's really good. It's going, you know, just picking up extra shifts at the job. And, you know, the wife and I are having a little bit of trouble. We'll get through it. We love each other very much. You know, the kid had to give up violin lessons and all that. And we're not doing dad school anymore. We got to go to a new fun way. But, you know, I fucking love my butt. Uh, this is a true post verbatim and then I'll get off the boat thing. Uh, I was all envious of a friend of mine who bought one of those shitty, you see these shitty houses in the Midwest all the time where they have like a deck out in front and the deck kind of makes it look nice. But then if you just subtract the deck from the house, you realize that they're basically living in a trailer. Like it's not a trailer with a deck that exists. I know, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Midwest houses that you see and they look kind of nice because they're big and spacious and they got big green yards and all that shit. But then you look at them and you take away the deck and you're like, that's just a trailer. So he's in one of those houses and he had the big swimming pool out back, the above ground swimming pool, because because nothing says I'm rich enough to afford a boat like an above ground fucking swimming pool in your deck in your deck trailer park house. So I was very envious. Can you tell I was bitter? Can you tell I was jealous? Because I fucking was. His wife is hot, too. <laughs> and so he got, talks about the marina. The marina. On social media, and he gets all the posts. And the marina. How much he loves going. Yes, exactly. It was Ohio. Correct. It was Nebraska and Ohio. Congratulations, Sierra. You win. Ohio. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, ho, way to go. What the hell's wrong with you, Ohio? <laughs> and what the hell's a Buckeye while we're here? Can someone just tell me what the fuck a Buckeye is for once and for all? So he's talking about the marina. He's having fun. He's enjoying it. He's really loving the boat and all that. Then, like, I don't know, six or nine months later, this is the entire social media post. Ready? <clears throat> How fucking expensive are ballet classes? I'm like, bro, bro, that's called hyper-focusing, bro. Get rid of the boat, bro. Get rid of the boat, bro. You know it's your, da your daughter's ballet classes that are causing the budget shortfall this month, bro. Can I, can I point to another post? One in which you say the word Marina more than a woman named Marina would when talking about herself in an essay applying for college written in the third person? Can I show you that post? And then maybe you can... <laughs> All right, that joke was a long walk, but, you know, for any gal named Marina out there, it was worth it for you. Uh, true story. I just found this out now that we're off the pool thing, now that we're off the radio thing, we're getting into the... Uh... I know Buckeye... Okay, Buckeye is a nickname for everything in Ohio, though. Okay? It's Buckeye Cable. 
and it's the Buckeye State, and they're Buckeyes, and they're, no, it's everything. Someone said it's a nut. <laughs> I'm just saying, you could, you could mad lib a definition for Buckeye, and it would work. It's like Buffalo, 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 but Buckeye. There's enough definitions for like a buff for a buckeye that you could just go buckeye 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 and it would be grammatically correct. Does everyone know buffalo 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 buffalo? Otherwise, I must sound insane. Oh, I love buffalo buffalo buffalo. Okay, so buffalo has a number of words. So buffalo can be the animal that you're probably thinking of, the big hard creature. Yeah? Buffalo kind of like a big hearty cow, but to buffalo someone is to push them around. And also to buffalo is a political term meaning to speak with a little bit of consternation, to be a little bit of a bully. Uh, But also to buffalo is to graze peacefully. But also to buffalo is to, so you can make a sentence where buffalo, 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 buffalo. And it's grammatically correct. Uh, This is a great example on why Americans are the worst people on the planet. A English professor came up with that to say how worthless English was and how awful. Yeah, one of the yeah, one of the buffaloes is capitalized if you write it out, Nadira. He thought of that. <laughs> so you can tell when they're talking about Buffalo, the state in the middle of it, Nadira. Uh, the professor came up with Buffalo, 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 Buffalo to, to say, hey, English fucking sucks. And what did all, like, of Americans do but immediately just start being all like, English is the best! Learn to speak it! Buffalo, 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 bitches! Woo! 1776! We made this language! We're gonna live forever! Uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I want you guys to have a good time and all that. I do. But hopefully this can be like the John Mulaney situation where I tell you about it, me lying about drugs and a doctor fingers me up the ass. But you all laugh and you all think that that's great. Like, I'm really hoping for that kind of scenario. I'm about to tell you about my personal pain, but I don't want you to share it or indulge it. I want you to laugh at me because I'm an entertainer. And like, I don't have a thing where I want to be laughed at. Promise, I'm very sensitive about it. But right now... Just as we just as we do this final little bit of, of the scripted semi scripted stuff before we move into the the requests, um, <clears throat> I want this personal pain to be funny for you. This is this is this is when a stand up comedian is talking about like how he's hiring a stripper and he's giving her too much money and you're laughing at him because he's like, oh, he's not gonna fuck that stripper. It's that. Like, it's painful for him, but he's telling you the story because you know he's not going to fuck the stripper. So this is a story about how Daddy tried to do really great all month. And he did really great all month. This is a story about how, like, Daddy conquered all month. 
But January just said no. January just said no. And I want you to smile or at least think it's a little bit cute. Because I've been a political animal for a long time now. And I've been engaged in politics. I've been a political activist in a past life. It's actually how I got into radio. Um, I, I, I read the news every day. I love getting stoned and reading the news. Um, probably, probably just about more than just about if you, if God came down with his golden gun and his three piece suit, that's how you envision God, right? And he pointed the golden gun right at me and he said, you have one choice to make. It's God, right? That's what God sounds like in your head. And he made me choose between getting a blowjob from a different woman every day. Blowjob to completion. Different woman every day. Or getting stoned and reading the news. And I have to pick between one of the two. I would really have to, like, ask him to put the gun down because there would be a lot to think about. Whoa! Whoa! You say if I get blowjobs, I don't get to read any news? There's a lot of factors at play. I like reading the news that much. I read the news all my life a lot. But reading the news high is way better because then I don't scream and punch things. So I get all the information without any of the destruction. It's just the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and let me just tell you something. January has been a real difficult month to read the fucking news if you're daddy. I'm not trying to get too political. I appreciate that other people have different socioeconomic views than me. I, I try and respect that as much as I can. I really do. I believe the best way you can convince somebody to maybe change their mind is to live it. To be authentic in your heart and live that authenticity. You do that. Maybe you can convince somebody else to really examine their beliefs. Getting through this fucking month and reading all the news has just been fucking horrifying. The death and the destruction and the politics. And then today, like, I read a whole piece and I knew I was going to read the piece before I saw it. I knew it was going to be a piece with this name before I saw it. I knew who was going to write it before I saw it. And there it was, and it said, Happy Death to Democracy Day. And that's exactly what today fucking feels like. That's exactly what fucking today feels It really... I, I've been writing a song called The Anglosphere now for about six months off and on, obviously not straight, where I say that there's something rotten in the Anglosphere. The Anglosphere being the English-speaking world. Uh... And I just, I do, I think there's something wrong. A, a song I've been singing uh, a lot is Elbow's Leaders of the Free World, which is exact. It's talking about the actual leaders of the free world and what bastards they are. Um, and I'm just in this this mindset where I have to read the news, but the news is hitting me upside the head with uh, some wooden mallets. And I think it's doing a lot for you to insane. So here's what my day-to-day -day life looks like. <laughs> I wake up. I feel amazing. 
I wake up, I feel amazing. I don't know why that voice came out. I wake up, I feel amazing. And I do. I wake up and I feel so good these days. It's usually on my own accord. There's almost never an alarm going off. There's always time. I stretch. I get out of bed. I make my tea. I make green tea with my ginger. I do my stretches, my meditation. I play with kitty. (laughs) And I feel pretty good. I'll get a lot of workouts in these days. I'll eat pretty well. I'll make I'll make some food from scratch. I'll eat it. I'll, I'll do that kind of thing. And then I'll read the news. And it legitimately just feels like Jiminy Cricket. Not a big entity. Like Jiminy Cricket crawls up my pant legs and just whirlwinds as hard as he can. Just full hammer strikes on each testicle, one with each of his little cricket arms, just over and over again, just ah ta 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 ah ta 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 ah ta 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 ta. And then for the rest of my day, from the moment that I begin work, which is recording and writing and feeling very sexy, the rest of my day, all of January, has 100% bounced back and forth between two points of data. All of January has bounced back and forth between two points of fucking data. Number one, Jack, you're so sexy. Jack, I want you so much. Oh, here's a new idea. And you're so sexy. And I love you. And I want you. And, by the way, everything in the world is on fire. And that's it. And that's it. I get a couple hours in the morning to not fucking feel that shit. And then that's it. And like somewhere around the middle of the fucking month, I started like legitimately wondering to myself, like maybe these women just want to fuck me before they die. Like especially the younger ones, like the 20-year-olds and so, like maybe they're just DMing me and being all like, Daddy, I'm lonely, because they're thinking they're going to die. Like, maybe they're not even into me at all. (laughs) And they're just, like, fucking straight up, like, fuck it. (laughs) In the last two years, I've literally seen the temperature increase five degrees. I'm going to jump on some daddy dick and bounce out this world. I used to get, like, six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, I used to get, like, DMs like, I've never sent a message like this before. I'm so nervous to engage you. You're a seductive master. And now these days, I get DMs like, California wildfire outside, you want it or not? You want to fucking FaceTime me? We're going to have to do it in the next 25 minutes because otherwise I have to do my third shift at my third job. I'm feeling sexy for the next 17 minutes only. Hey, hey, I'm not trying to rush you or anything, but if we could schedule this session before the next impeachment hearings and I go as dry as the Sahara, I'd really appreciate that. (laughs) How many nudes have I not gotten because of Mitch McConnell's stupid fucking face? 
I have tried to calculate this. How many nudes have I not gotten because of Mitch McConnell's head appearing at the wrong time on a woman's screen when she was thinking about maybe sending me one? The answer is definitely not zero. It's an unknowable amount. But it can't be zero. I don't believe it. Here's why I know. I was going to masturbate just for funsies. Which, again, very strange. January, very strange. You're like, God, I want to jerk off, and I'm feeling good enough to jerk off. Maybe I, maybe I better record it, though, because I'm a little bit behind on a couple of things this month because of impeachment, so... Like, yeah, I gotta do, you gotta do that calculus. Like, are my jerking off for me, or am I jerking off for we? Is this a me-strubation, or a we-strubation? Eh? <laughs> so that, that enters the flow chart. <laughs> and I was gonna masturbate. I got turned on. I was surfing through Reddit. And I found this extension that's very deadly for Reddit that lets you just banish not just people but entire subreddits you don't like with the click of a button. And then you never see them again. So, like, I've been on this, like, purge of Reddit. I've, I've banned so many Nazis and anime cat girls and, like, all kinds of shit. Like, I know everybody out there is probably thinking, like, I bet his fucking internet is full of Nazis and cat girls and furries. Man... My fucking internet is filled with PBS and podcasts and video games. It's so boring. If you hacked, I'm sure I, I think I've been hacked before, quite frankly. And the hackers looked around and said, not worth it. Not fucking worth it. He's already embarrassing himself more by masturbating and hitting the sin button on that. That's already the most embarrassing thing about him. Jesus Christ, what a loser. <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm I'm thinking about masturbating because I've gone through Reddit too far, and I see a gif of a gal, uh, and it's an amateur gal, but she's also selling herself. Uh, so she's kind of doing what I'm doing, except not via microphone, via camera lens. And respect. Uh, uh, so, you know, like, I I know that she's in it to win it, and therefore, we have that kind of agreement. So you know, I feel I like her. I like the I like her curves, her, her hypothetical curves, because she's very skinny. She's much skinnier than what I would normally go for. I'm just gonna say, if you're skinny out there and you hear that and you're like, oh no, he wouldn't go for me. I'm telling you, I'm getting down with this skinny gal. This is a true story. She's just saying, she is skinnier than I would normally go for because she took off her clothes and she looked exactly the same. You don't ever see that shit, except on mannequins. She took off her clothes, and it was just like her skin changed color. I'm like, wow, you never see that. But she had a nice smile, and she moved her hips. Again, her hypothetical hips. I'm sorry, skinny girls. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Hypothetical hips is not appropriate. I apologize and I take it back immediately. And so I'm starting to stroke myself. I stroke myself differently for myself than when I stroke myself for you. Because when I'm stroking myself for me, uh, it's for me. And I'm just trying to, to come, to be perfectly honest. Like, by the time I touch my dick, I've already been turned on. Right? It's not like masturbating for you guys. 
which again is its own thing. So I'm I'm just going to town. And so I'm pinching the tip of my cock and I'm just like, come on, boy, let's go. Let's go for a walk. And I'm getting into the gif, but the gif is too short. Uh, it repeats like every 20 seconds. So I pull open an amateur site uh, and I just, there's like random videos and I just pull up a random video and uh, I find one that's like, I don't know, three minutes long. Real quick, real easy. <clears throat> so I go to the site. And I start masturbating. But I've got two monitors. So I'm leaning back and I'm masturbating. I'm actually doing it right now. I'm leaning back and I'm masturbating. Uh, I'm not masturbating right now. I'm in the same position. I'm just trying to like trying to tell you what's going on. This is, I, can't ma I can't masturbate that casually. That, that would be psychotic. That's some Charlie Manson shit. I'm not there yet. Give it five years. Um, so I'm laying back because this is a sudden masturbation. I was just searching through Reddit looking for cat pics or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm masturbating because a gal stripped off in a gif. And I, I was into it. But the other monitor, which usually has Discord up on it because it's kind of like a heads-up display for me. It's the best way to get in contact with me is Discord. I always have it up to some degree. Uh, I did have on my Google News search because I was doing something else. and. It did automatically refresh, and it automatically refreshed, it's a 19-inch monitor, it's a pretty big monitor, to Mitch McConnell's giant up-close headshot, where his lips are curled upwards, and he got his eyebrows raised, and it's, it's, a, it's a shot, obviously, so it's not making a noise, but if it was making a noise, Mitch McConnell would be going, <laughs> And I just looked right at my penis, and my penis looked right back at me, and my penis went... So, there's absolutely no way that that's not happened with a woman. That some woman, especially since most of them come via phone these days, that some woman's like... Oh my god, I'm so turned on. But touching my nipple and rubbing my hip against this mattress for the last 17 minutes. Oh, I'm so hot. Oh, I listened to the podcast in an episode recently. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to send it to him. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to enter in my fucking code. I'm going to see my unlocked screen. I'm going to see the news. Mitch McConnell has made abortion illegal and punches three women in the uterus to point it off on Capital City Ceremony. Ah, fuck! Ah, fuck! Ah! Ah! Rand Paul's body slams 12-year-old girl in uterus. Thanks God and football. <laughs> I ain't getting no nude after you read that headline. There's no way no woman... The, just the law of large numbers. It's Mitch McConnell's dumb face has definitely blocked more than just my orgasm. I refuse to believe. Ladies, if you were going to send me a nude and something besides my own shitty attitude stopped you, because I already know about that one. You don't need to tell me those stories. If anything besides my own shitty attitude stopped you from sending me a nude, please tell me what it was. I, I want to start building up a database. 
I love getting nudes when I'm not expecting them more than anything in the world. So if it's Mitch McConnell or Harvey Weinstein or Bangladesh, I don't care. Just tell me. We'll put it in there and we'll find out. Okay, guys, that was the semi-scripted portion of the show. Thank you for coming on out. Uh, as I alluded to at the beginning, the show is already in progress when you come on out. The shows are on 10 p.m. Eastern every single Friday. If you're listening to this at home, please, 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 please come on out or consider doing so. It's free. It's on Discord. It's an app. It's like Skype. You just download it and you go ahead and come on in. And that's why the show starts a little earlier because I typically am just talking and hanging around. It's a great place to be for me. Helps me recharge and all the rest. As we move into the rest of the show, this is a great time to get into the quick quotes portion. If you've never been here before, we love to hear from you. Please don't feel too much stress about that. Quick quotes is where you put what you want me to say in quotation marks, and I say it for you. It can be anything you want. It can be something sexy, something seductive. It can be something fun. It can just be your name, but I love doing it. So if you're out here and you want me to say something for you before we get into the reading, won't you please let me know? All right. Just going to let that tick on up. We've got some great poetry. It looks like we've got... I want to say two pieces of smut. Yeah. Not a lot of poetry. Uh, I guess I closed the poetry door a little too early this week. My bad. I said we were pretty good on stuff early. so But you got lots of poetry last week, so it should be okay. <sighs> trying to think of anything else for my week. Just kind of sad. Like, I, I understand, again, different politics are different, but you you got to listen to me. So if you don't want to hear about politics, just keep hitting that next 15-second button or whatever. Uh, I am sad about the Senate trial. I am sad about Brexit. I am sad about the coronavirus. I am sad about these things. Like, you can't affect the world or any of those things, but my God, just person to person. If you're... If you're looking around at the world events today and you're going, well, I don't know what to make of any of this. Man, I don't either. We'll all get through it together, I guess. <laughs> I I said I thought maybe the hard times were coming. Uh, they might be here. <laughs> and we're just going to survive them together. Uh, not trying to stoke you up or build you up too much or anything along those lines. But yeah, 100%. Ooh, we've got some great quick quotes today. Let's go ahead and start reading them. <clears throat> Good girls. Always a classic. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a baby girl? A one? A two? Mm. Oh, honey, you know I love this beautiful body of yours. Now, bend the fuck over. Relax, baby girl. Just relax. (laughs) Come here, baby girl. Give me a kiss. Go to the gym, my sexy kitten. You need to go to that gym, kitten. 
Princess, I bet we can find a much better use for that mouth. Princess Sierra. Oh. <laughs> oh, baby girl, the sun has risen, and so should you too. Come on. That's it, baby girl. Daddy needs it right there. Right there. Right fucking there. Darling, I know you want to come. Oh, <clears throat> darling, I know you want this. Come here. All right, girls, especially new girls, let's get in those last requests so we can move on into the reading. Already been quite a live show today. I really do appreciate you all coming out. If you do like me padding out the live show, you do like seeing them being longer than an hour. Coming on out, making the requests and all the rest is the best way to do it. Looks like we've got a couple of newcomers here at the end. Here we are. <clears throat> this is their first one ever. Aren't they brave girls? So here we go. Good job, Olive. You made it through the week. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Looks like we've got one more. And then we'll seal up the hatch and get right into reading. Okay, and that is going to go ahead and finish up quick quotes. And right into poetry today so we can get everyone to their amazing weekend. Here we go. The first poem. <clears throat> Thanks to the morning light. Thanks to the foaming sea. To the uplands of New Hampshire and the green-haired forest free. Thanks to each man of courage, to the maids of holy mind, to the boy with his games undaunted, who never looks behind. Cities of proud hotels, houses of rich and great, vice nestles in your chambers beneath your roofs of slate. It cannot conquer folly, time and space conquering steam, and the light outspending telegraph bears nothing. On its beam. The politics are base, the letters do not cheer, and it's far in the depths of history the voices that speaketh clear. Trade and the streets ensnare us, our bodies are weak and worn, we plot and corrupt each other, and we despoil the unborn. Yet there in the parlor sits some figure of noble guise, our angel in a stranger's form or woman's pleading eyes, or only a flashing sunbeam at, at a window pane, or music pours on mortals in its beautiful disdain. The inevitable morning finds them in the cellar's bee, and be sure of all loving nature will smile in a factory. Yon ridge of purple landscape, yon sky between the walls, hold all the hidden wonders in scanty intervals. Alas, the sprite that haunts us deceives our rash desire, its whispers of the glorious gods, and leaves us 
in the mire. We cannot learn the cipher that's writ upon our cell. Stars taught us a mystery which could never spell. But if no one knew it, the world would blush in flame. The sage, till he hit the secret, would hang his head for shame. Our brothers have not read it, not one has found the key, and henceforth we are comforted, and we are such as they. Still, still the secret presses, the nearing clouds draw down, the crimson morning flames into the fopperies of the town. Within, without, the idle earth stars weave eternal rings, the sun himself shines heartily and shares the joy he brings. And what if trade so cities like shells upon the shore and thatch with towns and prairie board and rails ironed over? They are but sailing foam bells along thoughts causing stream and take their shape and sun color from him that sends the dream. For destiny never swerves, nor yields to men the helm. He shoots his thought by hidden nerves throughout the solid realm. The patient demon sits. With roses and a shroud, he has his way, he deals, he gifts. But ours is not allowed. He is no churl, no trifer, and his viceroy is none. Love without weakness of genius, sire. And sun, and he well and is not thwarted. The seeds of land and sea are the atoms of his bright body, and behest his obey. He serveth the servant, and the brave he loves amain. He kills the cripple and the sick, and straight begins again. For gods delight in gods, and thrust the weak aside. To him who scorns their charities, their arms fly open wide. When the old world is sterile and the ages are effete, he will form the wrecks of sediment, the fair world complete. He forbids the despair, his cheeks mantle with mirth. An unimaginable good of men is yearning at the birth. Spring still makes spring in the mind when sixty years are told. Love wakes anew this throbbing heart, and we are never old. Over the winter glaciers I see the summer glow, and through the wind-piled snowdrifts the warm rosebuds blow. The World Soul by Ralph Waldo Emerson <clears throat> Well, I'm I'm really glad that it ends with the demon being defeated after the demon's invincible. We can use that today. I could use that. Kind of feels like the the unbeatable demon might have won. So thank you very much to whoever suggested that one. Very good. <clears throat> I loved you first. But afterwards your love outsoaring mine sang such a loftier song as drown the friendly coolings of my dove, which owes the other most. My love was long, and yours one moment seemed to wax more strong. I love and guessed at you, you construed me, and I have loved me for what might or might not be. Nay, weights and measures do us both a wrong, for verily love knows not mine or thine, 
With separate I and thou, free love has done. For one in both, and both are one in love. Rich love knows not of thine that is not mine. Both have the strength, and both have the length thereof. Both of us of the love which makes us one. I loved you first, but afterwards your love. By Christina Rossetti. R-O-S-S-E-T-T-I. <clears throat> I was once told I'd swindled be, for chance did not make me intelligence endow. Although the prophet took a foolish stance, her fingers formed an L upon her brow. But Father Time moved forth with constant haste, and so I've always sought my share of joy. To otherwise exist would be a waste, to knowledge without wisdom's grace employ. Our lives are short and filled with much to see. Why not seek out the roads less traveled by? Thou canst not know what treasures they may be, and tell to diverging paths apply. No others could be made the way you are. Now go and play, for thou art not but star. What the fuck? <laughs> ah, okay. Smash Mouth, All Star, the Old English version. Okay. All right. I did think it was very strange that there was an L upon the brow in the third line, but I didn't... Okay. Loser with with the step of the... Th with your fake and your thumb on your forehead. I get it. All right. Well, the years stop coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> uh... <clears throat> If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back that sometimes something happened better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you'll notice it in the instant where love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Mary Oliver, don't hesitate. All right. I think that's it for poetry. So I do hope you enjoyed the poems, and thank you again to everybody who requested one. We've got a number of love letters tonight. So let's read in the love letters. Uh, this is always, I'm just going to say, I love all of your requests. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm being insincere or in any way, uh, like an ingrate or anything uh, with your requests uh, when you guys fulfill them. 
I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys sending in questions, sending in feedback, uh, sending in suggestions on how to market and, and get the word out and all that kind of thing. Really, truly appreciate it. But of all the things that you guys give me that I legitimately just look at and think, I'm the luckiest man in the world. And I know that you're expecting me to make a joke about nudes or money here, and I wouldn't blame you at all. Uh, but legitimately, we just started this segment not that long ago. And when I think about selling to myself how cool my job is, like when I'm having a bad day or I'm, I'm having an, a not productive spell and I need to get the, the gear cranking, I think about how amazing it is that I asked you guys for, for non-traditional love letters. Like, it would be fine if you guys gave me traditional love letters, but it's also good if you give me non-traditional love letters. And every time we do a live show, I look forward to this segment. I have no idea. I've not seen any of these letters before. I've not seen anything I've read before. And it's so interesting what you guys bring, what you guys have interpreted as love. I've agreed with everything. Every last one that you guys have submitted, I've agreed. Like, yeah, I see the love. I see why that's a love letter. And they're so filled with unique perspectives. With all due respect to every poet out there and every prose writer out there and, and, and all the rest, when you're telling a story, your ego is always involved. And it's always a bit of a construct, no matter how from the heart it is. And there's only so many experiences you can put in a sphere that you're constructing. But the love letters come from the heart, and some of these love letters are desperate, even if that desperation's just horniness. Because I remember the one with the writer who hadn't seen his wife in like three days, and it sounded like he was fucking the page. But that's really nice to hear, because if that's a character in a story, I would not like that character. But I kind of liked him, even if I was hoping that that woman was capable of getting away and not having chafed thighs every once in a while. Because really, it kind of sounded like he couldn't get away from her a little bit. I was a little worried for her. So I just want to say thank you, because it has been one of those shows and one of those months and what have you where I, you know, I let the veil down a little bit and I just talk. I, I, I feel a lot of hurt out there, and I'm experiencing it. And... Just as we move into this segment and we begin to close this show up, uh, I appreciate it and you. Uh, okay, having said all that, that's probably going to sound a little bit manipulative, but I also promised myself I was going to keep asking. So there's a link to the tip. There's a tip jar below, especially if you're listening at home. Uh, after the fact, you can go ahead and you can put that money anytime. Thank you for supporting the podcast. All right. Please don't think I'm too manipulative. I love you. Pay me. 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 Can I just say something really dark before we begin this? Hopefully dark and humorous. It is super dark, though. I need to say, I think it's funny, but I also acknowledge it's very dark. A number of times over the Grey Knight Project, I've asked for money or I've said, like, guys, I'm having trouble making rent or please help me. And, you know, it's okay. You can't, you can't really expect to put something like out there without getting some pushback um, or, or questions. And that's fine. Like, it's a request from me, so I get it. But, like, a number of times I've gotten, like, an anon request or something saying that I'm the most manipulative bastard in the world and I'm bleeding, bleeding you all dry and you're the Borg or I'm the Borg or we're the Borg. It's never really clear when they use, like, a collective metaphor. I'll be very honest with you. And, like, I'm farming you guys and it's harvest moon and I'm eating you and yada. Uh, 
Uh, and it's never a good message to read. But after the first couple of times I got that message, because I'm being accused of being the devil, effectively, in that message, as far as I'm concerned. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a real mean series of things to accuse somebody of. And so after the first couple of times I got called the devil, I just thought, you know what I would do if, you, if I was actually what you fucking think I was. Do you know what I would fucking do? I know that I'm smart enough to repeatedly poison my cat without killing her. I know that I'm smart enough to do that. You know that I am too. As soon as I said that, you know that I... Like, there's a part of you that's like, oh, shit, because you know that I'm capable. We both know. I've just just entertained the thought, and we both know that that's like... I was like, oh, yeah, he could do that. We both know that that's... That's, it's funny because it's like, oh, shit. We both know. I could get that cat and the cutest fucking dog you've ever seen. And just any time I need a little bit of money, just put a little bit of the chocolate cocoa powder on the puppy pebbles. Oh, no, guys. My dog is sick. I need so much money and I'm so sad. Take a little video. Like, are you really going to accuse me of being like a bastard and manipulative for money? Because let me tell you something. I turned down a Tony Robbins career path. So... Like, let's be real real. Like, if you're going to say I'm the devil, I want to tell you how I could be the devil. Here's the thing. Right now, people are right now going like, oh, my God. And they're giving me faces. And they're talking about how little, like, Mrs. Kitty would be like, this is horrible. Mrs. Kitty would be in on this deal so quick. Where do you think I fucking came up with it? Who do you think came up with the idea, hey, man, maybe you take a couple of pictures of me looking sick. And we split a little something. You get a little bit of extra cash for the cush. I get a little can of tuna. What the fuck you say? We play these fucking bitches. (laughs) I read something where somebody opening a can of tuna to make their own... To make their own sandwiches. And the cat goes Nile... Just goes wild because they're opening a can of tuna. And they're personifying the cat. They're anthropomorphizing the cat. And they're giving the cat a voice. And the cat keeps referring to the tuna fish as delicious sea meat. Oh, father has opened the sea meat. Ooh, the sea meat is here. (laughs) And ever since then, I give her her normal, you know, old lady cat food pebbles for her hips and all that. (laughs) And I go, guess who's not getting sea meat? (laughs) she's about to though her birthday's coming up so she's about to get her one can of tuna a year and get her one thing a solid albacore tuna a year she goes fucking nuts for it i can only give it to her in thirds otherwise she'll eat it too fast and she'll puke (laughs) i haven't learned that one the hard way (laughs) <laughs> she loves it so much. I know. She only gets it once a year, so... Uh, so, 
I pour out a little bit of it with the juice. She licks the juice up first. She eats the meat. I'm going to record it for you guys this year. Yeah. Kitty birthday. All right. I got off track because uh, I was feeling all appreciative. I got to stop that. <clears throat> I got to stop feeling appreciative. I got to be more demanding and be all like, pay me more money. Give me more social media because that works. And, like, I tried to do it the nice way, but now, like, now I got to be like, hey, hey, fucking share my shit. I'm a dom. This is housekeeping. We're hitting metrics. I can't do that. I can't be that guy. Don't make me. Just share the podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Dear young woman. I hope you find you. I hope you find love. I hope you see all the armor you wear. I see all the jewels and gems of wisdom you share. It's okay to shine. It's okay to have pride. You don't have to live a lie. Don't let violence fool you into silence, convincing you that you are not worthy of space and time. You might not know it yet, but you have a multi-dimensional set of eyes looking out for you. Trust what is meant for you is relying on you to show up. Show up. You can lose your religion, but you will never lose your spirit. Each of your breaths have minds and loves of their own. I doubt we will ever know the full impact of our presence. But you'll notice that even at your lowest, your aura orbits this quantum measure of hopefulness. The more inner kindness, the less the focus of its brokenness. Young woman, I wish you enough. I wish you enough time for all your skills and talents. I wish you more. I wish you more revelations than disrespects and regrets, and I beg you to believe in yourself. Carry out your curiosities in spite of the corruptions of experience. Let yourself feel free when you yourself forgive and what you do, and I know you well. I know you well find you. I hope you find love again. Untitled. Don't know who wrote it to who. Yeah, very sweet. <clears throat> Up next, love letter number two. I won't hide it. I'm so used to being, well, understood perhaps, so unused to it, that in the very first minute of our meeting I thought, well, this is a joke, but then there are things that are very hard to talk about. You are lovely. Yes, I need you. My fairy tale. Because you are the only person I can talk with about the shape of a cloud, about the song of a thought, and about how, when I went out to work today and looked at a tall sunflower in the face, it smiled at me with all its seeds. How can I explain to you my happiness, my golden wonderful happiness, how much I am all yours? with all mine, with all my memories and poems and outbursts, inner whirlwinds, will explain that I cannot write a word without hearing that you will pronounce it. 
All I know. I can't tell you anything in words, and when I do on the phone, then it comes out completely wrong, because with you, no one needs to talk wonderfully. The way we talk with people is long gone in terms of purity, and lightness, and spiritual precision. I swear by all that's dear to me, all that I believe in, I swear that I have never loved before as I love you, with such tenderness, to the point of tears, with such a sense of radiance. I'll tell you with my love, I could not have filled ten centuries of fire, of songs, and valor, ten whole centuries, enormous and winged. Legends about giants and fierce troys and orange sails and pirates and poems. I simply want to tell you that somehow I can't imagine life without you. I love you. I want you. I need you unbearably. Your eyes would shine so wonderfully struck when, when your head thrown back. You tell something funny. Your eyes, your voice, your lips, your shoulders so light, so sunny. You came into my life not as one comes to visit, but as one comes to a kindergarten with all the rivers have been waiting for your reflection and all the roads for your steps. I love you very much. Love you in a bad way. Don't be angry, my happiness. Love you in a good way. I love you. My son, my life, I love your eyes with all the little tales of your thoughts, your stretchy vowels, your whole soul, from head to heels. I love you. Vladimir Nobokov to Vera Nobokov You can see why people say that he is the most unread, well-read author. Uh, I'm probably getting that slightly wrong. Towards the end of the 20th century, he Novikov was on a lot of lists for being like the best-known, least-read author, because a lot of literary critics think that Lolita should not be famous for him. Uh, his his his. Uh, his novels are very, you know, very versed and all that. It's like if George Orwell wasn't a political reporter guy and he wrote 1984 and that's all he was known for, that would be a little bit tragic. Uh, with Novikov, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, Lolita's this amazing novel because the narrator is playing a trick on you the whole time. And it's very, it's very unusual that that happened. It's well done and fairly novel for the time. Uh, but the dude's a fucking amazing writer. Uh, and people are constantly... Like, don't read Tolstoy. Read Novikov. What are you doing? Don't read, don't read Tolstoy. Don't read Dostoevsky. What are you doing? Read Novikov. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, it was a big movement, and then Putin took over Russia. I'm trying not to be depressed about this Taylor world, but he, they literally are calling him a supreme leader. That's not a joke. They literally are holding a vote in Russia if they're going to start making pieces of paper that say Supreme Leader Vladimir Putin. And if that doesn't convince you that this is the nightmare cyberscape hell, I don't know what to tell you. I'm trying to keep it positive. One more love letter. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Can you imagine getting into work one day and be all like, uh, that's Supreme Leader to you. I barely can confront f approximately 15 Latino day laborers on my front yard. 
I'm pretty sure I'm never going to call myself Supreme Leader, no matter what happens. Uh, <clears throat> I am the Supreme Leader, and I want to know, why is your car in front of my house? <laughs> I am the Supreme Leader, and I want to know, is the grocery delivery going to be on time? <laughs> The Supreme Leader would like to book up for Economy Plus for extra leg room! Supreme Leader legitimately sounds like Cobra Commander's title. That's the last observation before I read the last love letter, but Supreme Leader legitimately sounds like Cobra Commander's title. <laughs> <clears throat> Dearest Kraut, thanks very much for the good long love letter with Gen on what you found wrong. I don't know anything about the theater, but I don't think it would occur to me even to have you introduced even to me with strain of La Vie en Rose. Poor peoples. Well, this is going to be an interesting one. I don't, I don't know what this fucker's saying at all. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> If I were staging it, it would probably be something novel, like having you shot onto stage, drunk, from a self-propelling mini-werfer, which would advance in from the street, rolling over the customers. We would be playing Land of Hope and Glory, and as you landed on the stage drunk and naked, I would advance from the rear, or from your rear, wearing evening clothes, and would hurriedly strip off my evening clothes, to cover you revealing the physique of Bert Lancaster Strongford and announce that we were sorry that we did not know the lady was loaded. All this time, the 30-son S.P. Mortar would be bulldozing the customers as we break into the abortion scene from Lockme. This is the scene in which really sprung spin tingling. <laughs> this is the scene in which... A really spine tingling, and I adjust the spine for it. I play with a giant rubber whale called Captain Ahab, and all the time we are working on you with pulmerers and ravishers, cleaners which blow the evening clothes off you. You are foaming at the mouth, of course, to show that we are really acting, and bottle the foam and sell it to any surviving customers. You are referred to in the contract as the artist, and I am merely Captain Ahab. Fortunately, I am crazed, and I keep shouting, Fire once! Fire two! Fire three! I don't think we would actually fire them. And then the germ of mutiny is born in your disheveled brain. But why should a great artist captain like me invent so many for so few for only airmail love on Sunday morning when I should be in church. <laughs> only for fun, I guess. Gentlemen, crank up your hearses. Marlene, darling, I write stories, but I do not have grace for fucking them up with other mediums. 
It was hard enough for me to tear and to write and to read the human eye. I do not know how, nor do I care to know how to write or read by parrots or monkeys or apes or baboons, nor actors. I'll wait up on that one. I love you very much, and I never wanted to get mixed in with the business of you and I as I wrote with this thing when we first brought it up. Neither of us has enough whore blood for that. But not what I number many splendid whores among the best friends, and certainly never, I hope, could be accused of anti whoreism. Not only that, but I was circumcised at a very young age. Hope you have it good in California and Las Vegas. What I hear from the boys is that many people in Las Vegas, or three or four anyways, on the main, are overextended. That's a very straight, Jen, but everyone knows it if I know it, although I've not told anyone what I've heard, and don't tell you. But watch all money ends. Some people would soon have the publicity of making you look bad, as you expected, and legitimate success. But that is the way of everything is everywhere, and no criticism of Nevada or anyone there. Cut this paragraph out of this letter and burn it if you want to keep the rest of the letter in case you thought any of it funny. I rely on you as a Kraut officer and gentleman to do this. New paragraph. I love you very much and wish you luck. Wish me some too. Book is on page 592. This week, Thursday, we start photography on fishing. Am in charge of the fishing, and it is going to be difficult enough. With a bad break and a little worse, the artist is not here naturally. I only wrote the book, but must do the work as well, and have no stand-in. Up at 0500, knock off at 1930. This goes on for 15 days. I think you could say that you and I have earned whatever dough the people let us keep. So what? So merdre. I love you as you sleep. Papa. Letter from Ernest Hemingway to Marlene Diedrich. Whew. Ernest Hemingway wrote that, huh? Okay. Ernest Hemingway called himself Daddy to Marlene Diedrich? Is the big takeaway. I'm processing what I just read. Did Papa mean something else? Because notice Hemingway was definitely Marlene Dietrich's father. Not really. Did Ernest Hemingway like to be called Daddy? Am I going to shoot myself in the head? I'm sorry. Sheila, he really did call himself Daddy? Ernest Hemingway fucked Marla Dietrich? I did not know that. See, all the all the facts I know about Hemingway was his writing. Oh, good for him. She was very pretty. Maybe there's hope for me yet. Uh, he's calling himself Papa to her. He's writing love letters about whore blood, and he's telling her what she's doing with her money. So, <laughs> you sure they never fucked? Or does she just say they never fucked? Because <laughs> if I'm writing, if I if I'm writing messages to you and I'm telling you about your friends and money, 
we probably fucked at one point. <laughs> That's not the kind of subject matter I get into if we haven't. <laughs> I ain't I ain't writing up like old guildmates from World of Warcraft all like, Hey baby, how's it going? You still hanging out with those fucking losers? Your fucking stupid job? No, that's there's generally been some bodily fluids exchanged. All right, guys, tip jar one last time. We've got two pieces of erotica up, and then away we go. I'm not going to be able to finish the second one. It's too long, so we'll do number one, and then we'll see <clears throat> how far we get with number two. As the sound of mumbling students and rustling bags grew louder, Ron Fuller looked up from the whiteboard as he was writing on us to check the clock. Class had run a few minutes over yet again, and students were getting antsy. He turned from the board to face his class. Rows of stadium seating were packed with students, a few who arrived late forced to stand on the side to take notes. A month ago, this history class only took up a little over half the seats, and he had trouble with too many of the open seats up front. Today, Ron had an overflowing class of more than double the size. Two weeks ago, the other History 110 professor, Miss Grange, was fired. Given that it's a few weeks into the semester, rather than drop her students from the class, the students decided to just be put her students in Ron's class. This resulted in a surplus of students he was starting at today, all eagerly glancing between him, the clock, and the door. I, I think that this guy's a teacher in a class. Let's find out if that guess is correct. Uh, sorry, why don't we call it a day? You can all take off. He waved his hands, signaling for everyone to make off for the door. Ever since he got the new students, he'd been working to play catch-up to make sure everyone was on the same page, and it frequently resulted in him going past end time. As the students filed out, Ron walked to his desk, taking a seat in his swivel chair. He straightened his tie and fixed his shirt, which had partially untucked itself, while he wrote on the board. He stared at the looming stack of papers on his desk, all quizzes he had to grade by the end of the week. Mr. Fuller? One student had stayed behind as the rest of the class cleared out. Ron figured something needed help with the homework, and he was surprised to look up and see a perky young woman leaning against his desk. She was thin, but not underweight, and looked a little bit short. She had the body and build of a cheerleader with the blonde hair to match. Her hair fell past her shoulders, and she brushed some of it behind her ear when she spoke again. <laughs> Mr. Fuller, I wanted to thank you for the lesson today, she said warmly. Oh. Of course, Ron replied. He was surprised that a student was actually talking to him to show gratitude for once, rather than to argue about a grade. I thought the stuff about Edison was especially interesting. You really bring it all to life so well. She had a blue backpack slung over one shoulder and was holding a textbook with both arms. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad someone's getting something out of it. He quipped. After the class size doubled, he'd struggled to keep everyone's attention. I know, it's probably difficult for you, considering how big the class is. As she said this, the student crossed from in front of the desk to the side, now only a few feet to Don Ron's left. 
She leaned against her desk, barely sitting on the edge, just resting her rear end on it. Ron admired her round butt in the denim short shorts. He felt his cock twitch, starting to stir in his pants. He felt to casually stimulate himself, moving his briefcase from his desk to his lap to cover anything up. <laughs> Ron apparently is a professor in middle school. Uh, she shot him a smile and felt his cheeks flush. He worried that she might have caught him looking. Uh, what did you say your name was? Uh, sorry, with a class this large, sometimes I have trouble remembering. He tried to act like nothing had happened. Molly? She hopped off the desk and took one step closer to him, extending her hand. He shook her hand and noticed how small it was compared to his. Where his hand was large and calloused, hers was delicate and soft, maybe even recently moisturized. It's nice to meet you again, Molly. Thanks again for the feedback. Ron gave her a polite smile from his seat, and she beamed back at him. Of course. I just wanted to reassure you that you're helping at least one student out. Molly shrugged. I bet you're under a lot of stress. She took another step towards him, now maybe a foot from his chair. Well, uh, yes. With the increased class size, I've uh, been a bit more stressed lately. His voice caught in his throat as the unthinkable happened. Molly knelt on the floor and inched towards his lap. Well, I don't want my professor to be overwhelmed. She looked up at him with big doe eyes. How about I help you distress and relieve some pressure? She parted his knee and ran a hand up his thigh. At this point, his cock was fully alive, concealed, pressing hard against the briefcase in his lap. Oh, uh, I don't... Uh, I mean, I'm not... Ron stammered, feeling his heart stop as Molly picked up the briefcase on his lap and placed it on his desk. He gasped when his penis was tented, encouraging her to keep going. Oh my goodness, Mr. Fuller. It looks like you've got a lot of tension built up. Molly giggled. She reached out and pet his bulge to the fabric of his pants, causing him to clench the armrests of his chair and let out a small moan. All things considered, Molly was right. Ron had a lot of built-up tension and hadn't been relieved in a while. He was married, sure, but his wife Karen had been neglecting him lately, and he hadn't had time to relieve himself. He'd been so overwhelmed with work, so much so that he felt this wrong, he didn't fight the student as she began to undo his belt buckle. Then she undid the button, unzipped the zipper, and hooked her hands into the waistband before looking at him. I just want to help my professor, she said before swiftly yanking down, effortlessly sliding her pants into his ankles along with his briefs. He felt her blonde hair brush against his bare thighs, and there was silence for a moment as his large cock bobbed in the air in front of her. Now rock hard. Molly's jaw dropped as she felt her big mouth begin to water. In front of her, her professor's cock, huge, twitched in the temperate air of the classroom, standing straight up with just a slight curve. He had to be close to nine or ten inches, she thought, and thick. Wow, Mr. Foley, you're really, really big.
Just hearing Molly whisper that sent a shiver down Ron's spine, and it brought her close to the edge. He couldn't help but tense up at the mess of precum spilled out over his cock head. She giggled and reached for his cock, placing one hand softly on the shaft towards the base and the other hand on his cock head. She wiped up the precum and began massaging the tip, using the cum as a lubricant while her hand at the root simply steadied. Ron groaned as she began to stroke his cock, finding a slow, teasing rhythm. Molly, oh, that feels so good. Good to hear, Professor. I want you to get rid of all that tension. She kept stroking, coaxing another pearl of precum out. This is the biggest cock I've ever seen. She marveled at it, which pleased Ron, while looking at the member up and down and licking it. She noticed his large balls, heavy and full, waiting for her. She took her hand off the cockhead, keeping the other hand stroking at his base, and the other hand grabbed a handful of his balls. They were so big, she could barely hold them both in one hand, but she loved the feeling of rolling them across her palm. Ron loved the feeling, too, letting out another moan as she did this. Without a word, Molly leaned towards Ron's cock and struck out her wet tongue, licking from the base to his tip. He twitched as she did this, and when she repeated the action twice more, he involuntarily rewarded her with precum. Wow, she gestured. You really have a lot of this stuff. Sorry, Ron said as she licked his shaft again. Don't apologize, she smiled. I love the taste. And with that, Molly put both hands at the base of his shaft and guided his cock into her mouth. Ron almost lost it as his hard cock throbbed in her warm, wet mouth, feeling her soft lips pressed around the circumference, her tongue working overtime on the sensitive head. Tried to get out, so overwhelmed by how talented this young woman was with her mouth. She began pumping her hands up and down on her shaft, barely able to wrap her fingers all the way around his girth. Meanwhile, she sucked on his cockhead, driving him wild with her ministrations. She pulled back, releasing his cock from his mouth with a pop. You like that? She asked innocently. I, I do, he answered. Can I keep going? She teased. Please. He could only whisper. She flashed another wicked smile, then opened her mouth wide and guided his cock back inside. This time, rather than loving on the cockhead, she swallowed him down, taking his cock far back as she could. Ron pounded his fist on his armrest and his student deep-throated him, feeling his cock knock against the back of her throat. She gagged twice, overcome by his size, and pulled back. His cock spilled out of her mouth, coated in her spit. Oh my god, Mr. Fuller, your cock is so big, she praised him. I can't even get it all the way down. She took his cock in her small hands again, this time lightly slapping his member against her cheeks. He groaned as she switched to slapping against her other cheek and then her tongue. Molly then guided him back into her mouth, swallowing him down again. This time, she took him a little bit further down, able to press his throbbing cock against the back of her throat before gagging again, coating his cock with more spit. 
Ron shut his eyes and felt dizzy from how good it all was. She pulled back again, letting his heavy cock fall from her lips. Molly, this feels amazing. He was trying so hard not to come yet to continue the incredible sensation. She began stroking his drool-covered cock, pumping up and down the steady rhythm that was driving him wild. She slowed for just a moment, and his thrust hard into her hands before she resumed pumping again. You're so tense, Molly whispered as she stroked, occasionally planting wet kisses on his cockhead between words. When was the last time you were taken care of? She didn't give him a moment to answer. Does your wife not do this for you? She doesn't? Molly laughed in surprise. How does she keep her hands off this thing? She bumped a little faster, feeling his cop throb in her hands. Well, if she won't take care of you. Molly bit her lip in concentration while continuing to stroke her professor's cock, concentrating for a moment on the tip. He groaned again and produced more precum for her to lap up with her soft tongue. Tell me, Mr. Fuller, does your wife ever suck your balls? Molly dipped her head down, keeping one hand pumping up and down on his shaft, grabbing Ron balls with her other hand, welcoming them into her eager little mouth. Ron seized, and Molly was nursing on one of his heavy balls, sucking on it lightly. She switched to his other balls, tenderly licking it, while massaging the other ball with her free hand. She could barely fit one in her mouth, and suckled and pursed lips on his smooth skin. He whispered and muttered her name repeatedly, in a state of total bliss. She pulled back, letting the full ball spill out from her mouth and hand, returning her focus to the throbbing cock. <laughs> oh, Professor, she teased in her most innocent voice. I love your big, big cock. She was pumping her hands up and down quickly, breathing hard, her hot breath making Ron's sensitive cock twitch with every exhale. Do you like what I'm doing? I do, he groaned. Am I helping you relieve some tension? Yes. Are you gonna let go of some of that stress? She didn't let up on her stroke, and he was about to burst. I'm gonna... Hmm? I'm gonna... Uh-huh. I'm gonna come, he shouted. Please. Molly dropped her head onto his lap, swollen her cock down as he began to come. Ron let out a loud groan as he gripped the armrest of his chair with white knuckles and blasted shot after shot of hot cum into Molly's mouth. She kept her small hands pumping up and down the base of his shaft as her tongue and lips worked in tandem to encourage him to keep coming. Ron let out another groan, ever so slightly thrusting into her mouth as she came more. Molly's mouth was quickly filling up, and Ron didn't show any sign until slowing down <clears throat> until there was too much. Molly pulled back, letting Ron's pulsing cock drop from her mouth, spilling cum down from her chin. She kept stroking him with one hand, massaging his emptying balls with the other, as she let him launch a few more ropes of white cum splattered across her face, her cheeks. With one final exasperated groan, Ron shot out the last of his cum, which splashed across Molly's pursed lips. 
With his cock still throbbing in her hand, Ron let out a loud sigh, sinking into his chair, trying to catch his breath after coming harder than ever before. Still lightheaded, he watched in amazement and arousal as Molly made eye contact with him and swallowed, gulping down the mouthful of cum she had saved up. She gave a coy smile and opened her mouth to show how empty it was before standing up from between her professor's legs. Well, she said, you certainly had a lot of stress built up. It's a good thing I was here to help you relieve that tension. She giggled as she pulled a tissue from a box on his desk. The young woman wiped her face clean of all the errant cum shots that decorated her chin, cheeks, and lips before tossing the used tissue at the wastebasket at her feet. Molly turned and walked to the door, and Ron watched her tight ass in her short skirts as she went. When she went to the door, she raised a delicate hand on the knob before looking over her shoulder and saying, let me know if you ever need to de-stress again. I'm sure we can think of even more ways to relieve the tension. Molly winked and shot him a smile before opening the door and stepping out, shutting it behind herself. Still in a daze, her professor sat slumped in his desk chair. He was panting, and his whole body felt weak or drained, really, his pants still at his ankles, his cock only barely beginning to soften, still covered in his student's saliva, Ron sighed. He could barely believe what had just happened to him. He couldn't wait for what was next. De-stress the professor by the plush peach on Reddit. And I got you enjoyed that. Uh, this next one is too long to get into, so I will send it to Ali, and we'll go ahead and save for that one. Uh, you guys requested it. You guys have been pretty good to me. So this is where, if you don't want to listen to me orgasm live, trust me, I won't be offended. Uh, but this is where you got to leave. This is where you got to go, because that's the end of the show for you. Uh, thank you so much for coming out, if that makes you uncomfortable. If you want to stay, uh, I am absolutely positively uh, <laughs> not just willing, but also quite a bit excited to do it. Haven't done it in a while. Why not? Got requested. Got requested anonymously. Don't even know who did it. That makes it hotter. It makes it much hotter. I'm not even quite sure why. So just... Let me sort of get into the mindset. Yeah? You guys down with that? Yes, please do get comfy. I don't think every woman is super into cocks, every straight woman. But some straight women really love cocks. Just the actual things themselves. The dick, the cock, 
the meat on a man. And all jokes and all hubris aside, If you love cocks, that will drive you open, hard and full like a snowplow. You'd love mine. You'd love mine the way it is right now. And one of my favorite things to do with it is hurt some fucking pussy. Make it ink just by fucking it, slow and easy. And that's exactly what I would do. If you were here right now, I would sit you on my lap, I would gag your pretty little mouth, and I would fuck you from underneath and behind. just so all the other women who wanted to listen could hear what I was doing to you. Hmm. 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 
come twice today. I've been as hard as I can be. I'm not trying to be rude. I didn't particularly think that story was all that sexy. But I got hard, really hard during it, as soon as I started striking myself. I got there immediately. I can come three, four, five times a day. These days, not all at once. And I fucking love it. Oh. I'm moving my hips back and forth a little bit, like if you were on my lap and I was leaning back, not much. Just an inch, maybe two, just a couple of centimeters in and out, but you won't need me to thrust all the way in and out to make you come with my cock anyway, so. Fuck. fucking good I sound. Tell me how fucking good I sound. Tell me you can tell, fucking tell just how muscular my goddamn chest is. You can hear it, can't you? You can hear it, right? You can hear how fucking strong I am. You can hear that you can grind your pussy against my muscles. Can you hear it, baby girl? 
When I talk, do you hear how beautiful and strong parts of this body must be? Oh, yes, you fucking can. Come on, rub that fucking cunt for me. Rub that fucking cunt for me. Come on. Mm, yes. Oh. Come on, make me fucking come. Stop fucking around. Make me fucking come. Yes, 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 yes. Microphone for you. Ooh. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Ooh. Ah. Ooh, thank you, baby girls. Sometimes. It's really dumb. The only thing I can think of is normally I can come without there being any kind of like cough or trigger. And then sometimes I come and then like my entire throat gets like wet and then my eyes are wet now. And it's, it's like I got punched right in the face, like right as I orgasmed. And it's not bad in any way. But like you can hear that like I caught, I, I, I came, I was like, ah, ah, ah. Instead of like I came like, whoa. And I, there's no knowing when it's going to happen or anything either. The human body is a fucking mystery. Hmm. Oh. Well, I didn't, um, I didn't check, uh, I didn't check tips, so you better have paid for that. And if not, then you better do it now. Uh, I appreciate it and you very, 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 very much. Uh, Definitely become a patron because you've never gotten more content of higher quality for cheaper on a more reliable schedule. So become a patron. Come out to a live show if you love the live shows. Come on out. Love to see you there. Uh, Real Grey Knight, Twitter, Discord. You can get me there as well, the Grey Knight. DM me. 
I got a little bit of the cum brain right now, so I'm just kind of listening to shit. It may sound like I'm stoned. I'm stone cold silver. I've just got a little bit of the orgasm brain going on right now. Uh, but just let me know that I appreciate... Let, let me know. Let This is me letting you know that I am legitimately just very grateful for being the Grey Knight. I can get ornery. I can get cranky. I never lose track of the fact that this is a pretty sweet gig, baby. And I've been enjoying it for a while. So thank you for supporting it. Thank you for encouraging. Please share us uh, on social media, the Grey Knight Projects and all the rest. Please let me know if you're curious or got concern or feedback. I'm doing real well with that these days. Just, you know, maybe even just reach out and flirt with me. Okay, that's the live show. I hope you have an amazing weekend. I hope you're enjoying season three. I know you are. The reviews are very, very good, and I appreciate everybody. I uh, appreciate you all. Uh, thank you again. Keep the suggestions coming. Keep everything coming. Keep me coming so I can keep you doing the same. All right. That is the Nightly Pleasures Podcast Tip Show. I will see you all very, very soon. Thank you again. Thank you, Ali. Thank you to everybody who tipped. Thank you to everybody who requests. Oh, my God. We actually made it two hours.